you think about your situation, complication, aggravation, is it getting to you? Then tune in. al pasar tampoco es que yo exija ni tierras ni riquezas más que estar recibiendo me gusta regalar tan solo estoy pidiendo
Don't you know We're talking about a revolution It sounds Don't you know We're talking about a revolution It sounds like a whisper While they're standing in the welfare lines Crying at the doorsteps of those armies of salvation Wasting time in the unemployment lines Sitting around waiting for a promotion Don't you know talking about a revolution It sounds Poor people gonna rise up and get their share We're gonna rise up and take what's there. Don't you know you better run, 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 run. Oh, I said you better run, 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 run. The spinally the tables are starting to turn. Talking about the rebel. Good morning, mutineers. This is The Bee, a.k.a. Bill Morgan, and the show is Labor and Love Radio, the show where we tell you how it is. If one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. If you don't have a seat at the table, the negotiating table, that is, where you work, You're going to be on the menu every time. And finally, never but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. That above all. So like I say, this is the November 18th version of Labor and Love Radio. You can always like us on uh, Facebook. Starting to get a bit of a following on Facebook. So join in. Share news about the labor movement and commentary. That's what you get here. Labor news opinion and commentary and history. And in the long run, 
all that matters is global solidarity, really. We'll hear a little bit about that later. So let's go around. Let's see what we got today. We've got working class history and working class history, three or four instances of working class history on or around this date. We've got this day in labor history, November 22nd, the strike of the 20,000. Uh, an action whose impact and lack of impact would come back to haunt capitalists, or at least scare them, huh? Kill a lot of young women. Going to play a little bit of uh, John Lee Hooker. A little bit of Jim Pepper. Talk a little about Jim Pepper and who, who he is. A lot of people, including myself, don't know. Let's get right into Workers Independent News. This is the Win Labor Report. A win labor report for this week. Workers Independent News Week in Review. I'm Doug Cunningham. Former BCTGM Union Nabisco workers want you to stand with them on a boycott of Nabisco products like Oreos, Ritz crackers, and Chips Ahoy. Listen to their message on why they want you to join their Nabisco boycott. We are the BCTGM fighting for American jobs. Nabisco, maker of iconic snack brands like Oreo, Ritz crackers, and Chips Ahoy, has made its fortunes in America, and its patriotic response has been to send U.S. jobs to Mexico. As a result, consumers across the U.S. continue to boycott their Mexican-made products. Join our fight for moral and economic justice at fightforamericanjobs.org. The D.C. Nurses Association says despite winning an arbitration award for $4.1 million in unpaid raises for nurses going back to 2013, the union has been informed that the District of Columbia will not certify the money to pay the nurses. The nurses work at United Medical Center, public health facility of Washington, D.C. Walla Blagay is the staff attorney for the D.C. Nurses Association. She says nurses are dealing with mismanagement that has contributed to unsafe nurse-patient ratios in addition to not being paid the wages owed. Our nurses are working in a very unsafe environment. Many of the nurses feel overwhelmed with high nurse-patient ratios where they're looking at quite a bit of patients with chronic conditions and they feel overwhelmed. They don't feel this supported. The next round of NAFTA renegotiations kick off Friday in Mexico City. The AFL-CIO's Celeste Drake says how workers are treated is a key issue in reshaping NAFTA. NAFTA is not a trade agreement so much as an investment agreement, an agreement to make it easier to outsource jobs. This essential element, this threat, and this reality to outsource jobs to Mexico was premised on the fact that when they got to Mexico, these firms could deny worker rights and freedoms. They would be allowed to pay inhuman wages and maintain unsafe working conditions. And this is what cuts off American and Canadian workers at their knees. Drake says corporations and CEOs benefit the most from NAFTA because they wrote it. 
That's why the AFL-CIO wants workers to have a real voice in reshaping NAFTA. Global corporations and their CEOs have generally benefited from NAFTA, and that's because they wrote it. They stuffed into it an assortment of rules designed to meet their needs and serve their interests. And most of these benefits come at the cost of ordinary working families. Lori Wallach of Global Trade Watch. The most pivotal question is whether Mexico and Canada will engage on the series of proposals to really reshape NAFTA that were submitted by the United States during the fourth round of talks here in D.C. in October, or how it might handle Canada's proposals with respect to dealing with the abysmal labor standards and wages. Workers' Independent News, provided by Diversified Media Enterprises. I'm Doug Cunningham. Okay, that's the uh, Workers' Independent News, National News. Let's skip over to Radio Labor, which is International Labor News. This is Solidarity News on Radio Labor. This is a Radio Labor World Report, recorded on Friday, November 17th, 2017. I'm Mark Boulanger. In the report this week, the continuing struggle to eliminate child labor for millions of children. A unique way to confront the privatization of public services in Australia. And the Labor Start report about union events around the world. This is Radio Labor. While child labor rates have been dropping over the past few years, there is still much more to be done. Seamarie Ainsborough reports. About 10% of children in the world, some 152 million, are trapped in child labor. Of those, almost half are in hazardous work. That was the stark reality faced by delegates at the Fourth Global Conference on the Sustained Eradication of Child Labor in Argentina, November 14th to 16th. One of the speakers at the conference was Christy Hoffman, the Deputy General Secretary of the Global Union, UNI. UNI represents some 20 million workers who are members of 900 trade unions active in the skills and services sectors. I'd like to stress three points, dignity, opportunity, and responsibility. First, dignity. Child labor is a product of adult poverty, and that's, that's one of the things we've got to eradicate. And starting with living wages for everyone, social protection, but also let's not forget that freedom of association and collective bargaining are enabling rights, which ensure that adults earn decent wages and children are in school and not the fields. Second on opportunity. We want to all share in the growth of the wealth, opportunity to thrive where the technology is going to make so many things possible that we can't even imagine today, but opportunity to wipe away again inequality and poverty. Shared responsibility. It's the responsibility of our governments. It's also the responsibility of business. It's the responsibility of companies that profit in our global economy to make sure that the people contribute to the value of what they create are treated fairly, that there are no uh, children in the supply chain. We all have to take responsibility to get rid of this problem. We know that where there's a political will, there is a way to do this. This is not impossible. There should not be children in our digital future. There should not be children now working, but certainly when we look forward, it's a fixable problem. Lastly, on responsibility, I want to say 
that there should be technological responsibility so that technological innovations have to put the interests of people into the frame. It's not just about coming up with the snazziest new product. We've got to integrate the interests of the whole society. How do we build the political will that's going to be required to enforce human rights for all workers and poverty and therefore, by extension, the practice of child labor? I think this is the question that we have it within our capacity to end child labor right now. It's an urgent problem. It is not a future world of work problem. We should not come back for a fifth conference. We have the capacity. How do we build the political will to make that happen? The United Nations has adopted an agenda which calls for the elimination of all forms of child labor by 2025. The privatization of publicly owned and operated services means taking the commonwealth owned by the people of a country and giving it to corporations so the corporations can increase their profits. Unions can win battles against the privatization of individual services, but fighting the overall policy can be difficult. One of the strategies that can be used to fight government policy favoring privatization is to build coalitions of labor organizations and other civil society groups. An example of this working together has been initiated in Australia by the Global Union Public Services International. The PSI represents national public service unions at the world level. It brought together a number of Australian public employee unions and organized a people's inquiry into the effects of privatization. The inquiry's report was released in late October. Michael Waits is the PSI's sub-regional secretary for Oceana. He spoke at the release of the inquiry's report. The report that's been launched is the product of many people who have a shared interest. A shared interest of valuing and recognising the importance of quality public services and the key role that they play in a just and fair society. Across the globe, though, we are seeing that a fair society, a just and fair society, is slipping from our grasp. The impacts of neoliberalism are deepening the gap between the haves and the have-nots, diminishing the role of accountability of governments and undermining the democracy that we say we hold so dear. We need to reverse this trend. We need an alternative to neoliberalism, and it's PSI's hope that this inquiry and the resultant report will play a part in building the alternative. The idea of holding the People's Inquiry into privatisation was grown out of discussion with the Australian affiliates of PSI, being the ASU, the Australian Services Union, the Electrical Trades Union, uh, CPSU, CPSU SPSF, and the New South Wales Nurses and Midwives Association, of whom I'm a member. Each of these unions are fighting instances of privatisation and are fighting hard, knowing that they can win individual battles. But if we're to stop privatisation as a policy approach, if we're to build an alternative to neoliberalism, then we need to build a broad coalition. And the purpose of holding the People's Inquiry into privatisation was to explore the personal impact of privatisation on our communities, to begin a discussion about the alternative and to try and help build the alliance that we'll need to win. One of the unions that participated in the People's Inquiry into Privatisation was the Australian Services Union. I talked to its National Secretary, David Smith, at a recent PSI meeting in Geneva. 
What were some of the results of the study? Well, it's pretty um, condemning to the government and their processes. Simply everyone was of the view that public services should remain in public hands and that all the privatisation that had happened in Australia, particularly in the electricity industry, had resulted in consumers, as well as our members, being worse off in regards to prices and delivery of service and the quality of service. Now here with his report about union events around the world is Labour Start correspondent Derek Blackadder. Here's a small sample of the average of 320 news stories added to our site each day last week. Our top stories section included links to items about the labour movement's reaction to the coup in Zimbabwe, employer threats of eviction from company-owned housing directed at striking Kenyan tea plantation workers, and concerns about the health of an Iranian union activist who recently returned to jail. We had news of strikes and lockouts in dozens of countries. Here are just a few highlights. Australian court workers renewed their strike strategy as their pay dispute continued. Guyanese municipal workers stopped work to demand back pay owed to them. Retail workers in South Korea entered the eighth week of their strike in an effort to gain a wage increase. Construction workers in Antigua and Barbuda downed tools to press for improved working conditions. Hospital security guards were off the job protesting five months of unpaid wages in India. Public transport workers in Barbados parked their buses in a bid to resolve their scheduling dispute. And our hotspot this week was the United States, where New York City delicatessen workers walked out in an effort to gain a wage increase. Bus drivers were fighting for a living wage. Truckers were demanding pensions. And municipal and education workers were walking off the job in wage disputes. Our top working women stories included coverage of the women-only union participating in a national protest over the rollback of workers' rights in India, the union challenging a ban on the hijab for hotel workers in Malaysia, complaints of widespread sexual harassment by Taiwanese flight attendants, and a new Canadian law specifically prohibiting workplace sexual harassment. The Health and Safety Newswire rerun in cooperation with Hazards magazine carried stories to hundreds of union websites around the world about the spontaneous strike by Pakistani sanitation workers after another two of their comrades were murdered on the job, a health and safety strike by Bahamian post office workers, and the horrendous working conditions aboard deep-sea fishing vessels. Currently, Labour Start is running seven online actions. Take just a few seconds out of your day and join thousands of trade unionists around the world in helping workers make their lives better, or even help save those lives. This is Derek Blackadder from Labour Start, reporting for Radio Labour. And that's it. International labor news you can use. I'm Mark Boulanger. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's all about global solidarity. It's all about global solidarity. Um, That was the World Labor Report. Brought up this issue of child labor. 10% of the world's children. Let's listen to this one. This is also from Radio Labor. Radio Labor Special Report recorded on Thursday, November 16th. 2017. 
I'm Seamarie Ainsborough. About 10% of children in the world, some 152 million, are trapped in child labor. Of those, almost half are in hazardous work. That was the stark reality faced by delegates at the Fourth Global Conference on the Sustained Eradication of Child Labor in Argentina, November 14th to 16th. One of the speakers at the conference was Christy Hoffman, the Deputy General Secretary of the Global Union, UNI. UNI represents some 20 million workers who are members of 900 trade unions active in the skills and services sectors. I'd like to stress three points, dignity, opportunity, and responsibility. First, dignity. Child labor is a product of adult poverty, and that's, that's one of the things we've got to eradicate. And starting with living wages for everyone, social protection, but also let's not forget that freedom of association and collective bargaining are enabling rights, which ensure that adults earn decent wages and children are in school and not the fields. Second, on opportunity. We want to all share in the growth of the wealth, opportunity to thrive where the technology is going to make so many things possible that we can't even imagine today, but opportunity to wipe away again inequality and poverty. Shared responsibility. It's the responsibility of our governments. It's also the responsibility of business. It's the responsibility of companies that profit in our global economy to make sure that the people contribute to the value of what they create are treated fairly, that there are no uh, children in the supply chain. We all have to take responsibility to get rid of this problem. We know that where there's a political will, there is a way to do this. This is not impossible. There should not be children in our digital future. There should not be children now working, but certainly when we look forward, it's a fixable problem. Lastly, on responsibility, I want to say that there should be technological responsibility so that technological innovations have to put the interests of people into the frame. It's not just about coming up with the snazziest new product. We've got to integrate the interests of the whole society. How do we build the political will that's going to be required to enforce human rights for all workers and poverty and therefore, by extension, the practice of child labor? I think this is the question that we have it within our capacity to end child labor right now. It's an urgent problem. It is not a future world of work problem. We should not come back for a fifth conference. We have the capacity. How do we build the political will to make that happen? Another speaker at the conference on the eradication of child labor was Guy Ryder, the Director General of the UN's International Labor Organization. Mr. Ryder is the first unionist to lead the ILO in its 98-year history. The way I look at it is the following. We started this conversation, I think many conversations, by all agreeing, and it's good when we can all agree, that this future of work is not out there, it's not already determined by anybody else, it's not determined by robots, it will be what we decide. That's a very beautiful principle and I think it's true. But then the question is, where do I fit? Where do I fit as a, a politician, as an employer, as a trade unionist, as a citizen, as an NGO activist, as a, a family member? Where do I fit in to this overall effort, this overall need to be active? I guess the question I ask or will ask people is, what right have I got to do nothing? What right have I got to be a spectator? And then how do we overcome, how do we break out of just our simple personal self-interest? How do we overcome 
what might be seen as a sort of a cold-headed calculation of where my self-interest lies uh, in the future to actually dedicate my efforts to something which is a broader social goal that we all share. Jump out of your own sort of space and join with others. The United Nations has adopted an agenda which calls for the elimination of all forms of child labor by 2025. I'm C. Marie Ainsborough. Thank you for listening.
This is the Jim Pepper Quartet, 1980s. Thank <laughs> you. 
So Jim Pepper was a there. Hmm, now, who's Jim Pepper? Oh, you should ask. Something I just recently found out about. Very influential uh, saxophonist. He was born June 18th, 1941. Died in 1992. So, 50 years old. He was a saxophonist, composer, and singer came to prominent as a member of the Free Spirits, an early jazz rock fusion group, who first recorded his best-known song, Wichita, to which we just listened to. Pepper went on to a lengthy career in jazz, recording almost a dozen albums as a band leader and appearing as sidemen with the likes of drummer Paul Molian and pianist Mel Waldron, it says here often incorporating elements of Native American music 
into his style. Died at age 50. Not very much about him. Um, not about his career. Director of Night for the First Americans, a Native American self-awareness benefit concert in Washington, D.C. Played at numerous powwows. Remember our short-lived band, Everything is Everything. Self-styled solo albums spawned near the, the near-hit single, Wachitai Toe which received abundant airplay, reaching number 69 on the Billboard 100 chart. Encouraged by his peers to inject American, Native American elements into his work, which is an example of which you just heard. Let's go back now. We're not doing very well here at, uh, at recognizing our musicians. Um, last one there was Richie Tato with Jim Pepper. And before that, there was a nameless uh, jam at a jazz festival in, up in Oregon with Jim Pepper taking a long, inspired solo. Uh, before that, we had uh, John Lee Hooker playing with Carlos Santana on uh, Change is Gonna Come. And La Bamba preceded that one. La Bamba by the Cafeteras. Okay, my name is Bill Morgan. This is the Labor and Love Show. And it all comes to you every week, every day actually. Uh, from 2781 21st Street. Much more than just a radio station, more like a community arts center. You can rent our space to put on your own production or your own class or your own show. Uh, we have comedy competitions every week. This is he's kind of the center of the underground comic comedy scene here in the Mission District. Lots of other things as well. There's always an art exhibit on with some original work. Uh, our radio programs. I mean, lot, we've got a lot of open slots now where you could come in and for a nominal fee, you can uh, have a voice, have an amplified voice. Join the airwaves. Put out your version of reality or indulge your taste in whatever you like to present. Okay, so we were talking about child labor. 152. 152,000 children go to work every day. And the great Uruguayan writer uh, Eduardo Galeano wrote a poem about it, about child labor. 
I am the child of Play for Voices. You know me. I am the child. The child you see in the garbage dump in Mexico City as your limos pass by. I'm in Manila and in Lagos where I fight the vultures for your garbage and a thousand other places. The pearls that decorate your necks, madam. The diamonds at your fingers. I drove for them in the China Sea. I dug them up in the Congo. You know me. You know me. I am the child in the mines of Peru, the mole in the mine shaft, cursed and enslaved because I'm small. When the poison air murders me at last, they throw me away in fields of nameless graves. Colombia, Tanzania, Guatemala, I am that child. The one who brought you your lattes and your espressos with the blood of my innocence. Your bananas from Honduras, it is I your pesticides kill, for I am just a child. From dark to dark, I work in Malaysia collecting rubber from the trees. They murder me in the streets of Brazil and no one cares. Of course, I am only your child. Why should you consider me? In Burma, I work the railroads. In India, the infernos of glass and brick. In Bangladesh, I harvest the bitter tea you sip at breakfast. The Arab sheikhs tie me to their camels and watch them race because my terrified screams inspire their animals to run faster. You, with your Wall Street Journal. You and your corporate towers the world around. Do you consider me? In Argentina, the mighty plata rolls by as I herd sheep and cattle. Jakarta and Recife serve at your table because only then may I eat what you throw away. Come to Lima, you will see me there, if you see me at all. I will wash your car window for pennies. I juggle or eat fire for your pleasure in Guadalajara. For your pleasure, Guadalajara. You know me? The child in hell. Can you look me in the eye? Hello, Lima. All your big league millionaires hit out of the park. I sowed it in Honduras and in Haiti. Your football stars chase the ball I stitched in Pakistan. Your children swing and slide and dance, but I shall never know what it is to play. 
pay my parents' debts. I was chained to the loom in Pakistan when I was four and was murdered for speaking out. My parents' poverty in your new world order is so great that they sold me, and now I weave rugs from dawn to midnight. I am the child. I'm in a hell of your making. And when they come to rescue me, I can only say, Are you my new master? In Sri Lanka, I pick perfume. I pick tobacco in Egypt, jasmine for French perfume. In Ohio, I harvest cranberries. In California, your bed provence. I awaken in the bitter night to go and pick cotton into Larry's endless fields. You know me. If your thing is sex with children, you can have me for a few pennies in an Indian circus on a street corner in Khartoum or Bangkok on a flop house in Berlin. I am the child. You know me. There are a quarter billion of me the world around, but then I am only a child. Who are you? Okay, that was uh, a reading of a poem called I Am the Child, a play for voices based on an article by the uh, Uruguayan poet, historian, uh, Eduardo Galeano. All over the world, children go to work each day instead of going to school. All over the world. There are children working right right undercover. You know, just right there. All you have to do is lift the, the blanket a little and look under the bed and you'll see how much of our world economy is based on coerced labor. And I include in that the coercion of survival. That you have to work to survive. If you can't work, what happens? I've been doing... Uh, let's, let's just take a little break. been um, doing some research for an article about maternity leave and uh, where we're at with it. I 
I uh, started off with a list. Let's see, maybe we should just, maybe I should just read it, huh? Yeah, how about that? And the title of the article is America Doesn't Have What? And it's footnoted in this way. In the late 1970s, for the first time in our nation's history, coal miners started getting pregnant. And that is from Women Miners Fight for Parental Leave by Goldie Totten and others. Right, coal miners started to get pregnant, and that caused a rise in the demand for maternity leave. Here's how the article goes. I'm going to name some countries, all right? You tell me what they have in common. Micronesia, Nauru, Palau, Papua, New Guinea, Suriname, Tonga, the United States of America. How are they all alike? So you think about that, yeah. The answer is that not one of these nations has a national paid maternity leave law. A woman who gets pregnant on her job does not have an alternative. If she quits, she loses her job. Every other nation in the world 180 nations have maternity leave laws they give you time off to have your baby and to care for your baby and to begin raising your baby and they pay you for it that's how it should be you're having a baby is not it's under the law it's called disability or sickly, but it's neither of those. The historical reality was that into the 1970s, women would routinely lose their jobs when they got pregnant. Women were treated by and large as temporary workers anyway, assumed to be in the workplace only until they got married and began to raise children. So, get pregnant, get lost. In some places, women were and are required to show their menstrual napkins to prove that they are not expecting. The struggle for maternity leave in the U.S. began in earnest in the 1970s as women broke into traditionally male jobs in the trades and other industries. As referenced in the footnote, coal miners started getting pregnant in the 1970s. Under the leadership of Patricia Schroeder, congresswoman from Colorado, various AFL-CIO unions and feminist organizers, versions passed both houses of Congress and were vetoed twice by Bush Sr. Only in 1993 was the Family and Medical Leave Act signed into law by President Clinton. And this is your basic... Uh, national level law. Listen though. There are all kinds of restrictions. The, fa- the company's got to be a certain size. 
you have to have worked already f for the company for, you know, over a year in many cases. And it's not paid. It covers only about 60% of workers when you work it all out. And it's not paid. So they'll say to you, oh, okay, you can have 12 weeks off your job without losing your job. We're not going to pay you for it. So if you don't have 12 weeks of money saved up, uh, you're out. Forget you. What are you going to do? How are you going to work as a woman and take care of your baby? You know, how, how does all that work? In some nations the, in Europe, the leave is for one year to have your baby and raise it. Mexico passed a paid leave law, one month of paid leave for working women, and that was in 1917. And here we are, we still don't have one. Well, anyway, last month, Californian Governor Jerry Brown had the chance to sign into law a truly groundbreaking bill Sponsored by CFT, California Federation of Teachers, AB 568 would require K-12 school districts and community colleges to provide a minimum of six weeks of paid leave to both certificated and classified school employees for pregnancy, miscarriage, child, birth, and recovery. Passed the Assembly and Senate without serious problems and reached Governor Brown's desk. <clears throat> and then he didn't sign it. In the veto letter, he mentioned two laws that he had signed, one granting differential pay, regular salary minus the cost of a substitute to some school employees. But to get it, you usually have to use your sick time. What you're doing is you're calling your pregnancy a sickness or a disability. He also suggested that such a benefit could be funded if the district would work with the state disability insurance system. And uh, so then you would get disability. I don't know what kind of a percentage that is or how long it would be. So the struggle goes on. Mexico passed the paid maternity leave in 1917. And what if Suriname decides to pass one before us? Maybe Suriname will beat us to it. This is the B.
Okay, our backup music, of course, is uh, Miles Davis uh, from the album The Best of Miles Davis, <clears throat> A Gift of Arlene. Thank you. Um, so what do we got on our Labor and Love site this week? We start off with uh, the hammer and sickle. A photo of Hammer and Sickle used, obviously, and sitting on a piece of wood. And an article from a newspaper in 1830s, I believe, about the arrest of Pillington and Kay. Weavers of Berry have been sentenced at our new Bailey to two years imprisonment in Lancaster Castle. And Ellison of Bolton, a weaver also, to one year's imprisonment in the same place for conspiracy to raise their wages. Get that. Conspiracy to raise their wages. And in a lot of ways, the view of a lot of people who make policy feel that way about workers. I'm the boss. I have the right to set the wage. And if you try to raise your wage, that's against nature. <laughs> okay, here's Nina Simone talking about her place as an artist. I think that is true of, of, of painters, sculptors, poets, musicians. I, it's for some concern, it's their choice. But I choose to reflect the times and the situations in which I find myself. That to me is my duty. I, and, and at this crucial time in our lives, when everything is so desperate, when every day is a matter of survival, I don't think you can help but be involved. Young people, black and white, know this. That's why they're so involved in politics. We will shape and mold this country or it will not be molded and shaped at all anymore. So I don't think you have a choice. How can you be an artist and not reflect the times? That to me is the definition of an artist. Okay, that was uh, Nina Simone talking about her place as an artist. How can you be an artist and not be involved in the times? Here's Richard Wolff explaining a key concept of economics, um, usually, usually um, part of Marxist economics, I think, assumed to be, but not really. Labor theory of value is shared. Anyway, listen to Richard Wolff. Here we go. This question comes to us from the Ask Prof. Wolf page on R.D. Wolf. Richard Wolf. Well, let's see what's happening. Richard Wolf. Okay, well, something happened with Richard Wolf. We'll have to get him back. Be right back. Mm -hmm. 
head of the U.S. Federal Reserve says the gap between the... All right, let's try for Richard Wolf. Uh, no, we're not going to get Richard Wolf. Got to unload another Labor and Love Radio. This one says farm workers sue North Carolina to protect their union rights. The lot of sweat to the legendary civil rights icon and farm worker activist had it right. Organized labor is a necessary part. Organized labor. A necessary part of democracy. Day in and day out, unions struggle to make sure that farm workers have a voice in their workplace and in their communities, but they face enormous obstacles. North Carolina has mounted a direct assault on the state's only farm workers union, the Farm Labor Organizing Committee, which works tirelessly to protect those workers. A new state law sponsored and supported by legislators who have a financial interest in suppressing farm worker organizing would make it all but impossible for the union to operate effectively in the state. Together with a coalition of civil rights groups, including the Southern Poverty Law Center and North Carolina Justice Center, the ACLU filed a federal lawsuit alleging that the law violates farm workers' constitutional and civil rights. The lawsuit challenges Virginia Farm Act of 2017, North Carolina Farm Act of 2017, which invalidates contracting contracts guaranteeing that employers will honor their employees' request to deduct union dues from their paychecks. Dues checkoffs, farm workers, many of whom lack access to basic banking services rely on these checkoffs to make it timely make timely and regular contributions to the union without checkoffs it would be extremely difficult if not impossible for the union to collect the money it needs to operate second the law invalidates settlement agreements negotiated by the unions to advance farm workers rights fatally undermining lawsuits meant to improve working conditions of farm workers throughout North Carolina. So, keep your eye on North Carolina. And then, of course, we're facing uh, Janice as teachers... Uh, if you're a teacher or you work in education, you probably know about the upcoming Supreme Court decision that could 
seriously impair the union's finances. The idea is this. Right now, if your union has uh, won an election and becomes the bargaining agent, you become the sole bargaining agent for everybody, even people who are not in your union. So if you gain some dollars on your pay scale, all that is shared with people, even if they're people who are not in the union. Now, in order to pay for those services that are shared by everyone, even non-union workers, the union collects money in the, in the form of union dues. So people who are not in the union have to pay a certain amount every month to pay for those services that the union provides for them, including if you get into a hassle with your your administrator, for whatever reason, the union is required to go to court for you and handle your case, whether or not you pay full union dues. So you end up paying what's called an agency fee, a fee that for the to share in what the union gets for you, although you're not a union member. Well, various people, one, a teacher named Friedrichs in Southern California, and in this case, a guy who I think works in a child care center, his name is Janice, is challenging that agency fee. They don't want to pay anything to the union because the union might advocate in the public arena, might advocate for something, uh, let's say, abortion rights for women. And you're in the union, but you don't approve of abortion, right? So these people are claiming that the union is taking away their voice, right? They don't have a voice in the union. Why should they pay any money? So that's one we're going to have to keep keep looking for. <laughs> Zen Education Project says... On November 15, 1917, about 20 women were subjected to beatings and torture in Occoquan Workhouse, a prison in Virginia in what has become known as the Night of Terror. They had been arrested for peacefully picketing the universal suf- for universal suffrage in front of the White House. By the way, the... Uh, Zinn, Howard Zinn Book Fair is over at uh, the Mission Campus of City College of San Francisco. Always a really good show of uh, information, books, DVDs, CDs that talk about social justice. So show up there. And Labor and Love is also showing the revenue... Uh, 2016 revenue, 2016 taxes paid, and tax percentage of revenue paid. Actual percent paid by these companies. The lowest of all is ExxonMobil, which makes $198 billion and pays only a half a billion in taxes. Walgreens, $116 billion, pays $1 billion in taxes. 
GE, whose uh, CEO wrote a book bragging about how he had uh, maximized profits by cutting down the, his tax exposure. $129 billion of revenue paid half a billion in taxes for 4%. 0.4%. They're all here. Uh, the one that's paying the most, Bank of America on $92 billion of profit, probably because the the strictures on banks are much stronger than on uh, these other businesses. They can get away with more. Walmart made $485 billion and paid $6.2 billion in taxes, 1.2%. Okay, all that is posted on our website, Labor and Love Radio, on our Facebook page. Labor and Love Radio, please visit us there. And, uh, okay. Labor and Love Show. And we've had quite a week in terms of women being groped, women being raped, women being threatened, 14-year-old girls threatened by 32-year-old men, let's say allegedly. Nine women have come forward allegedly to say that the judge grabbed them, 16 for Trump, Two, one for Al Franken, the second was not sexual. Can't really count that. So, what's a woman to do, huh? How about take back the night? Back the night, here's Holly Near, Arlo Guthrie, Ronnie Gilbert, and the late great Pete Seeger. Take back the night. Starlight, star bright, twinkling peacefully, while the pack waits for the kill. Susan works late, then she walks by the river. The water's so deep and so still Hungry eyes flash in the shadows Blades click and shine in their hands Run, Susan, run, can't you feel it? The evening makes angry demands To walk 
is now full of sunshine and laughter. Susan lies hidden and cold. A child playing chases a red ball. Mama, someone's sleeping, she won't move at all. And as the ambulance screams her to nowhere, The taste of blood on its teeth. Let's take You've back the night to walk the streets when we choose. Take back the night and make it safe for everyone to use. quiet in memory her parents pray to understand a rage grows deep in her lover determined that the senseless shall end now out on the street there's a service with thousands of candles for light Guthrie, Ronnie Gilbert, and Pete Seeger with uh, Take Back the Night. Here's a song by a new composer, a young lady from San Isidro, California. Her name is Gisela Padilla. She just came out with a new album of her songs, which I will be pleased to present to you in the weeks to come. This one is called Standing on Top. Behind you, I knew there was nothing I could do. How 
blow When you said that you loved me Wasn't that unconditionally You told our friends and family Down on your knee That you were ready to marry me Standing on a hilltop Yeah, I'm standing on top I won't crumble I won't falter This is my Tisela Padilla with her song Standing on Top. Meanwhile, the opiate, opioids stalk the land. Here's James Brown. And gentlemen, fellow Americans, lady Americans, this is James Brown. I want to talk to you about one of our most deadly killers in the country today 
I had a dream the other night and I was sitting in my living room. I stole off to sleep, so I started dreaming. I dream I walked in a place and I saw a real strange weird object standing up talking to the people and I found out it was Harold. That deadly drug that go in your vein. He said, I came to this country without a passport. Ever since then, I've been hunted and sought. My little white grains are nothing but waste, soft and deadly and bitter to taste. But I'm a world of power and all know it's true. Use me once and you'll know it too. I can make a mere schoolboy forget his books. I can make a world famous beauty neglect her looks. I can make a good man forsake his wife, send a greedy man to prison for the rest of his life. I can make a man forsake his country and flag. Make a girl sell her body for a five dollar bag. Some think my adventures are joy and a thriller, but I'll put a gun in your hand and make you a killer. In cellophane bags, I found my way to heads of state, to children at play. I financed in China, ran in Japan. I'm respected in Turkey and I'm legal in Siam. I take my addicts and make them steal, borrow, beg. Then they search for a van and the arm of the leg. So be you Italian, Jewish, black or mixed. I can make the most fertile of men forget their sex. So now, so now my man, you must you know, do your best to keep up your habit until your arrest. Now the police have taken you from under my wing. Do you think they dare defy me, I who am king? Now, you must lie in that county jail where I can't get to you by visit or mail. So squirm with discomfort, wiggle and cough. <laughs> Six days of madness might throw me off. Curse me in name, defy me in speech, but you'd pick me up right now if I were in your reach. All through your center, you become resolved to your fate. Fear not, young man or woman, I'll be waiting at the gate. And don't be afraid, don't run, I'll not chase. Sure my name is Helwin, and you'll be back for a taste. Behold, you're hooked. Your foot is in the stirrup. And make haste, mount the steed, and ride him well. For the white horse of heroin will ride you to hell. To hell. Will ride you to hell until you are dead. James Brown singing, poeming about the opioid epidemic, which uh, opioid academic, <clears throat> opioid ep epidemic that's carving out the heart of our country as heroin always does, as opioids always do. 
a great a majority of the uh, people who die of opioid overdose do so with legal prescribed drugs. That's right, over 60% of the people who die of opioid poisoning have had it prescribed for them and they've overdone it. So who's getting rich here? Off whose misery? Drug companies getting rich off people's misery. As uh, Richard Rodriguez wrote, American sadness has made billionaires out of Mexican drug lords. And here's something that people have been talking about, a guaranteed wage, something we might kick around a little after. This is Song of the Guaranteed Wage, which is sung by Clarence Cooper. I'll tell you the story of Jonathan Tweed, who had a good wife and four children to feed. His wages bought food and a place they could bunk. But during the layoff, poor Johnny was sunk. Yes, during the layoff, poor Johnny was sunk. When Johnny was working, he'd get along fine. But when he was laid off, he'd worry and pine. He did not get paid, but his bills did not cease. No wonder poor Johnny could not sleep in peace. No wonder poor Johnny could not sleep in peace. Now Jonathan Tweed said there must be a way to guarantee workers a regular pay. And that's when he thought of a guaranteed plan. And the boys in the union backed him to a man. The boys in the union backed him to a man. Said Jonathan Tweed, now there's one thing quite queer. The bosses get paid every week in the year. But now when we ask for a guaranteed wage They rant and they roar and break out in a rage They rant and they roar and break out in a rage Come all of you workers, pray listen, take heed For this is the message of Jonathan Tweed Though big corporations may bellow and rage We'll stand up and fight for a guaranteed wage We'll stand up and fight for a guaranteed wage Song of the Guaranteed Wage there with uh, Clarence Cooper, Ronnie Gilbert, Eric Weisberg, and Tommy Makem. And I'm looking for uh, something that relates to Ronnie Gilbert, one of the first hits that uh, she had with one of the big hits that she had with uh, Pete Seeger. And the Almanacs, they were called the Almanacs for a while. And uh, I'm not finding it. Okay. Uh, let's see. Takes a lot to laugh, takes a train to cry.
This is the Labor and Love Show. We're right at the tail end of our show. Um, Just got the word from my buddy, uh, Scott Walker, that there'll be uh, an archive show playing today for Flat Black Plastic. So please uh, stay tuned to Mutiny Radio. This is the B, and we're reminding you that If one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. If you don't have a seat at the table, the negotiating table that is where you work, you're on the menu. And never but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. And when I say labor, I mean you. When it's time to stand up, when it Stand up when it's time to sit down and take a knee. 
take a knee, but always stand up for labor. Hope you have a good week and good work. This is Bill Morgan, the Beast, signing off. Stay tuned for Flat Black Plastic with my buddy uh, Scott Walker. And uh, like us on Facebook. We'll uh, get back to you next week. Good week and good work. Tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Good evening there, 
my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that anytime I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere five dollars every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because five dollars, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere five dollars is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So then all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. If you're looking for a personal injury lawyer in San Francisco, look no further than Francis J. Shaheda. Mr. Shaheda did an amazing job with my case. First, he informed the courts about my case that had not been scheduled or submitted yet, despite the language on the citation. I was so confused and afraid of the legal system, but he did it all for me. He communicated promptly via email with any of my questions. I was afraid of an enormous fine for a small infraction, as well as a criminal offense on my record, but he spoke to the DA to have my case removed from criminal court and put into the community court system. I am so overwhelmingly happy with the results he generated and would recommend him to anyone with legal issues. This is a personal first-person narrative because Francis J. Shaheda helped me personally, helped Mutiny Radio go to him for personal injury issues. You can email him at www.personalinjuryattorneyfjs.com. Again, the law office of Francis J. Shaheda in San Francisco. awesome and underground space for an event? Look no further than MutinyRadio.fm. Our 30-seat flexible space can accommodate your acoustic band, birthday party, comedy show, dance party, karaoke super fun, theater event, fundraiser. If you think it, we can do it. You run the door in promotion, we run the sound, space, and podcast. Rentals available Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10 at Mutiny Radio FM's performance space at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission at 21st in Florida. Contact Pam at pamsadai at hotmail.com for more options and booking dates. Incredible socialist prices so you can be creative in a free speech space without breaking the bank. That's Mutiny Radio Rentals every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10. Book your event now. Trying to hurt me, but boy, how it burns me whenever she touched me. And oh, I feel so lucky. Billy 
Bob? You ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dag nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! <laughs> The Night Space brings you high time story time every Wednesday night from 10 to midnight on Mutiny Radio. Listen to San Francisco's finest underground comedians read crazy stories written by me, Arden, on The Night Space. The Night Space featuring high time story time every Wednesday night from 10 to midnight on Mutiny Radio. High Time Story Time Volume 1 now available on Amazon.com for Kindle and electronic download. I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on MutinyRadio.fm for... Let's watch a full-length movie on... YouTube. We watch the best movies that... uh, Aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by Uh, Here's his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch Howdy, mutineers. It is I, Stolowitz, Dark Lord of the Sith, and several dive bars in San Jose. Every Tuesday night from 10 p.m. to midnight, join me in my quest to escape from the occult oubliette, a world of violence, intrigue, sexuality, mysticism, magic, and leftover spaghetti. Enjoy my insane rants about leftist causes, Midwestern witchcraft, the ascendancy of Skynet, and why neo-paganism is vastly overrated. I've got guests, music, comedy, and old Alan Watts lectures from the 70s. How can you resist? You can't. I put a spell on you. Ah! MutinyRadio.fm is an official shrine of the miraculous garlic of Mount Cavalry. We are not associated with the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, except on Tuesdays at 10 p.m. Hope to see you there. Or hear you, I should say. Hey, Zach Wiseman, you're a good comedian. You know how I got good? How good? How did you get so great at comedy? I got great at comedy. Yeah, every Friday from 6 to 8 with new host Trina Roderick. It's where um, people go and sometimes they smell bad and sometimes they don't smell bad. Mutiny Radio made me great. (laughs) Mutiny Radio made me better than you. And that you can be better than everyone else too every Friday from 6 to 8 on Happy Hour here at Mutiny Radio. But you'll bet never be better than me. You'll never be better than me. You'll never be better than Zach. And you also, it's a happy hour, but we don't have any alcohol, so it's happy ish. 
But you're gonna do comedy. I'll do comedy. And you're gonna enjoy comedy. Just be an audience. Just come. It's free. Yeah, I just drink in my car. <laughs> you could like drink. Like a fucking adult. Exactly. Drink. Drink around the corner. Somewhere else. Not here. But uh, come to happy hour every Friday from six to eight with Trina Roderick. Yeah, do that. Tell me what you think about your situation. Complication, aggravation. Is it getting to you? Then tune in live every Sunday from 12 to 2 p.m. to the Edge of Insanity with myself, Paul Brumbaugh. Kit Marie. Brandon Ray. And Mistress Christine. All on Mutiny Radio. That's right, PCRcollective.org. We'll see you there. Are you a stand-up comedian? Do you want to be in 25 shows in five days at Mutiny Radio in San Francisco? Well, now's your opportunity. Apply now for the Spark Presents third annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival, March 1st through 5th. That's 25 shows in five days featuring 40 comics from out of town, and one of those comedians could be you. Go to our website, www.mutinyradio.fm, and Click on the submission form. Apply for the Spark Presents third annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. It's only $10, and you can apply right now through November 30th for 25 shows during five days, all streaming live, all podcast posts, all Mutiny Radio, all